This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good evening. How are you this evening? Ah, that's great. It is so wonderful to be at Faith Church. Callie and I, about 21 years ago, we had this dream. Could we create a simple but powerful and practical way to train emerging young leaders across Europe? We were pastoring with a guy named Scott Beard in Abilene, you know, and everybody thinks, can anything good come out of Abilene, Texas? Uh, I guess so. And uh, then we began to think, how are we going to live? How are we going to? We'll, we'll just go to friends and see if they'll jump on board with us and do this together. And Faith Church, 20 years, I remember meeting with Pastor Stormy and Pastor Shelley and uh, their parents and many others. And from the very beginning, this church, and this church, was it Pastor Stormy, two years old then? Really, the church needed to keep every dime, probably. But there's been a spirit of generosity So from the beginning of what you're about to hear, you guys have been a part. And I just want to say thank you so, so much. Let me tell you a little bit about what we do. We're called Prepare International. We exist to advance God's kingdom. This is our mission statement. To advance God's kingdom in the nations of the earth by multiplying leaders who disciple their nations. Say it again. We exist to advance the kingdom of God on the earth. I really believe the kingdom is in heaven, but Jesus taught us to pray. How do you teach us to pray? Your kingdom. It's not that we're going to the kingdom. The kingdom's coming here. Your kingdom come, your will be done, and Lord, make earth look just like it looks there. And that's been our dream for 20 years. And in the early days, it was Europe only. And I was so, Pastor, I was so stubborn. Europe is one of the most unreached parts of the world still today. We started having prophetic dreams. And one night, we had a dream about the same Asian nation at the same time. And it only took us five years to obey. So now we train all over the world. We're in 25 nations, five continents. And I'm going to let Callie go to that next slide because here is our main ministry team. This is our family. But I just want to preface this before I introduce our family up here. I just want to say I'm so excited because we are family. And we have learned that over and over again, that we have family all over the world because our father is the same father. And I had the honor and the privilege of growing up with Pastor Stormy. I can tell so many stories. But, and, and Pastor Shelley, but she was a youngster. She was a couple years behind us. And Terry and Shirley are my parents. They were the, my parents, some of their best friends. And so we had so much fun because coaches would all get together and our families would all get together. And the thing I remember about your home is they had dug a pit and put the trampoline on top. And so the goal was for whoever could stay underneath the trampoline laying down flat while the bigger kids jumped. Do you remember that? It was so scary for me, but I so didn't want to lose. You know? <laughs> and then they had this huge St. Bernard sissy. 
those are the two like major points in my life. And I, I'm a different person because of that. But I just want to say they impacted my life. Pastor Story and Pastor Shelley both. I love them so, so much. And not just love them, but I respect them. And they are family. But I respect the people they are and how tender they are towards the Lord. This is our family, our natural family. This from the far side, this is Boone, our son-in-law, little Judah, who is now more like 18 months. But and then Bethany, our oldest daughter. And then Randy. The me. handsome man in the middle is me. I know yeah. you wouldn't know. <laughs> the more white hair is me and Randy. And then me, and then Brandy, our daughter-in-law, and Josiah, who those two live in Poland. And then Hannah, who uh is our youngest and her husband Nathan and their little girl Eden. So everyone on there works for PI in some sort or another. Isn't that amazing? So it's been a real good heritage. So Hannah, our youngest daughter, is our personal assistant in the office full time. So we have Eden at the office and she's just turned, she's 13 months and it's getting quite adventful in the office. But our son Josiah lives in southern Poland and you're going to hear more about what he's doing in just a moment, he and Brandy. I get on a plane tomorrow morning and I'll be speaking at a conference uh, of many churches in all of Central and Northern Europe, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right there uh, with them. And then our daughter Bethany and Boone, this is crazy, we planted a Filipino church in McAllen 18 years ago and they helped pastor that church. They just resigned because they've come on our team and they'll travel around the world training in all of our training schools around the world. Go to the next slide. I wanna tell you our goals and kind of our methodology because every time you give into the offerings here, since the very beginning of our ministry, a great portion, the generosity, it comes to us and it helps us accomplish these things in the world. I'm gonna start right over here. We are believing the Lord for 10 million souls in the next 10 years. I wish we could speak for 20 minutes about Valery in Ukraine. He's our kingdom coworker there, our brother, like a spiritual son to us. In the last six months in his city, which is on the front line of the war, I would just tell story after story. His daughter has seen people blown up in front of her over and over. They live in Kharkiv, if you follow the news. He's led 800 to Jesus in the last six months. Isn't that amazing? So we're believing in the 25 nations, through those we train, the young emerging leaders and the frontline leaders, that we'll see 10 million souls in the next 10 years. A thousand ecclesia, that's the Bible word for church. We've seen about 250 churches planted through our work. And what's crazy, Pastor Stormy, we never plant a church. We just inspire and it just comes natural. It's beautiful. We don't have a church planting program. We just have a Jesus and people's hearts get full and they're like, this is what Christians do. They share the gospel, they gather them. Oh my gosh, I have a church. It's been beautiful. Uh, we're uh, really believing the Lord for a million disciples. Disciples are though those who follow Jesus fully. They're just followers of the Son of God who win souls and make disciples, who pray for, they just carry Jesus into their world. But Callie's gonna talk more. We are, this is, the, this is the new thing we're doing. We have all these Bible schools, pastor colleges, 
So we're a leadership development group. We train, we teach, we send them out to do the work, the indigenous national leaders. But we're moving into a whole new phase. We're training trainers now. Normally we can have 50 to 60 schools going in a year training about two to 3,000 leaders. What if we had 10,000 trainers and we had 10,000 training programs going on? And instead of listening to me teach like it's going to happen this weekend, they were listening in their own language. So there was 50,000 trained at once. Let me tell you one story about Arjun. I was talking to Arjun today. He's in Nepal. Nepal, this is one of the things, Pastor Shelley, we've, how in the heck did a couple from Lubbock get to Nepal? I don't know. Uh, it was a closed nation until 1953. Arjun's mother was one of the first hundred Christians in the nation that come to Christ. She came in about 58 to the Lord, uh, maybe a little bit later. Arjun is an apostle, a real apostle. He doesn't have a, have a business card. He has an anointing and relationships. And we started a school in his city. And then we trained five young men. They have launched two more schools in the far west. They're our first trainers, Pastor Stormy. Then we, they just launched a school in the capital of Kathmandu. That school has now split into two schools. And they're going to plant ten more schools out of that one. Do, do you see? It goes from addition to... And all of a sudden, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Nepal. And by the way, Nepal is the fastest growing church on earth today. And somehow, we're one of the only training groups in the whole nation, training the young guys as they get saved and start churches. It's fantastic. I ran in Nepal, flipped back and forth between number one, number two, number one, number two. It's okay. We're in there. So we'll Go to that next slide, please. And a big thing that we're doing is uh, we're, not, we're no longer in two nations. We started basically with two nations, and now we're in 26. Again, it, it's been on relationship. It hasn't been on like we're trying to promote, prepare or something. We build relationships, and the relationships keep expanding. We really believe the kingdom is about friendship and family. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're from one continent to five. So that was, that was a big stretch. We were in Europe, and I'll just tell you this. I was at a mission conference, and all of our kids were there. And Josiah was the oldest, and he was 16 at the time. So it was 16, 13, and 10. And they were all three with us. And the man was talking, and he said, okay, all those that want us to go to the hard places for God, stand up. And I watched. I was, they were spread out over the auditorium. So I was watching them, you know, trying not to be mother hen, but still mother hen. And so I was looking, and I was, I was like, oh, Josiah stood up, way to go. And then Bethany stood up. I was like, all right. Then Hannah, she had to stand up on the chair to see. And this is what I, I was like, I'm such a good mom. God, do you see this? I have raised my children, and they are going to do stuff for you. And then I felt like the Lord said, you need to stand up. And I was like, we're already going to Europe. That's hard. When we started going to Europe, Czech Republic was 0.013% Christian. It's kind of what you consider post-Christian. And so I was like, I have to stand up. I'm going to Europe. And as soon as I stood up, I felt like the Lord told me, 
you're standing up because whenever I call them to do something, you need to get out of their way and not make it hard emotionally for them to do this. And so when Josiah and Brandy went to Poland, I was there. I was like, okay, God, I'm not going to make it hard. At the beginning of COVID, we didn't see them for 18 months. Uh, God, here are our kids, you know. Hmm. Yeah. So we're, we're in five continents now. Uh, we have 76 schools, 5,000 plus trained, already trained, and over 250 church planted out of those trained. So that's really fun. And those aren't accurate. I mean, those are like kind of an estimate because you really can't capture the whole aspect of it because it's so spontaneous and what's happening. It's out of control and that's really good but it's very uncomfortable for us sometimes because we want to have a little more control but we're having to sit in a place with the Lord and really let him do what he's doing like the Ukraine. Let me tell you a little bit about the Ukraine. So our son and daughter, Brandy and Josiah, I'll, I'll see them Sunday, uh, Friday evening. I arrive just before 6, and the conference starts at 7. So I'll fly through the night, shower in the airport, and go. Uh, when they moved there, we had no idea. And the Ukraine was our fastest growing work. Josiah was there three days before the Russians invaded. Uh, last year in February. On his birthday. Uh, he was there on his birthday. They invaded on his birthday. And uh, we had just planned five more schools. We were about to, the school in Kharkiv where our friend Valeria is, we were multiplying that into five training training zones all down the east Russian coast there uh, of the Ukraine. And then the war broke out. And he and his, his pastor, who's a spiritual son and a close friend of ours, the pastor and his wife, they called and said, let's just do something together for Ukrainians. And I said, I think I can raise $100,000. He said, great, because they're fleeing the nation. Poland right now has 5 million Ukrainians in the nation that won't go back. Did you see where the president said, don't come back for winter? Because the Russians now are destroying the infrastructure of the heating systems and the electrical systems all across the nation to try to force uh, uh, such a desperate situation that they'll give up the land and uh, blah, 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 blah. And so we just thought, let's see if we can just believe God for $100,000 and we'll house maybe 50 people and then get release supplies into Valeri in the Far East and those that we knew. Josiah told us the other day, Dad, PI has raised $1.5 million dollars. It, and we've sent it there. We have sent probably $25 million worth of goods into the nation. That 50 people, it became six refugee centers where we took care of 1,000 people for six months. And Josiah told me this. He said, Dad, this is a generational moment. If we can just step into this. And so, also in the Ukraine, Josiah was there, everything was happening, and so he, I was calling Josiah, I was like, how's Valeri, because Kharkiv was getting hit, and I was like, what's going on with Valeri and his family, what's going on with our guys in Poltava, what's going on with all these people, so Josiah was busy trying to get a hold of everybody, and they were all in chaos, and it was a mess, and so finally he got a hold of him, and they said, okay, what do you need, we're going to, Joseph's like, we'll bring you whatever you need. We'll get it to you. 
So they started this supply route, right? Getting it to our friends. It was just our friends. It's built out of relationships. And it was just our friends. And so these supplies would get to our friends, and then they would go out and feed the people that no one would go to. Like his daughter, I was talking to her. She's 14 years old. And she was telling me that the day before I saw her, she had been in a place that no, it was dangerous and no one would go. Her and her mother went with a military escort. And they were giving out food, giving out blankets, different things like that. And she said, we were leaving. We had barely left the town and bombs hit and exploded. And the people that we had just been with, a lot of them were killed. And so this is going on continually, right? But this is what God has done. In the midst of this darkness, there is light. In the midst of the darkest of dark, there's always light. And what has happened is, like Valeri's church, Josiah and Brandy, they got all his people that wanted to leave. It was 780 people left the church, and they got them safe. And, but Valeri, his wife, and his daughter decided to stay. 14-year-old little girl. They decided to stay and help. Because his daughter told uh, Valeri, she said, you're not going to do this by yourself. We will stay and help you. So they stayed, and they helped. So they had 20 people left in their church that were going to stay. From that 20, what Randy said, they now have 800 people, and they're brand-new Christians. They're brand-new. They they, he's like, send me like kindergarten stuff. Yeah. We're writing new materials for them, like on a... You know, when people get saved in Lubbock, there's a little bit of a Jesus in biblical understanding. It's like... How do you start from ground nothing, you know? It's amazing. But the, what Josiah was sharing with us is the fact that the character of the people, and actually all but one that has been on this supply route and taking care of the refugees, have been graduates from PI. And not that PI is in and of itself a we great have this, thing. We have schools there in, yeah. their, in their city and in their church. And, but it's what God has done through relationships and through getting the word in people. And, and he's grown them up into maturity, right? And so these are these people of character. And their light has shone so bright that Josiah, his name got out. And it was basically like, if you want to do something in the Ukraine, you need to go through this group. Because they're actually integrous. They actually will get the, the food and the supplies to the right people. So... One of Josiah's friends who's in the government, he said, he said, if we can make the church the hero, the church will be the voice. And that's what's been happening. God has underground, in a sense, raising up his church to be such a light. And the governments are recognizing, like, not just the U.S., U.S., yes, but we're talking all the governments are recognizing the church as being the, the place to send the supplies and things through. Isn't that amazing? Josiah's group now is working with NATO, the U.S. State Department, the Department of Defense, and he has three Ukrainian generals on his speed dial. Uh, and it's all the church. Isn't that beautiful? It's the church. And as you've given to P.I., in the last year, what you've given us, we've sent there. So thank you so, so much. People ask us all the time, 
what's been the secret of how God's done this? And this is what I tell them. And I want you to hear this not just about us, but about you. There's only one kind of person on earth, ordinary people. I was a football coach who helped pastor a small church in Abilene. She was a housewife and a football coach's wife. And we just thought, if we could get Jesus right in our marriage, and if we could get Jesus right in the kingdom, in our family, maybe someday. I love the text of Scripture when Jesus has died, he's risen, the church has been born in Jerusalem. And I love it. Here is Peter and John standing in front of the same guys that killed Jesus, the Sanhedrin. Now, how old was Peter and John in that time? Peter was probably 23, maybe 24. John was still in his teens, I'm, I'm convinced, because I've studied so much of the Jewish background of disciples. So here's a youth group standing there, 24-year-old, let's say 19. And it said, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized they were uneducated, ordinary men, they marveled. And then they remembered they had been with Jesus. If God could take a football coach and his wife and their three kids, six kids, yeah, six kids now and two grandkids, pray for more grandkids. I really like them. I like them more than my kids almost. At least my kids think so. If he could take this ordinary, what could he do with you? So, uh, this is really true. I've been told this several, several times. This is what I get told. I'm so glad I met you. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And the first time I was told this, I was like, oh, thanks. And it was this young man that we had mentored. And he said, I'm so glad I met you, Callie. You've changed my life. And I was like, oh, thank you. You know, I'm getting ready for this big compliment, right? And then he says, because it really is true. If God can use you, he really can use anybody. And at first I was like, do I take that as a compliment? I mean, okay. So anyway, but it's true. I mean, if you're around me very much, I mean, I just bumped the microphone. I am not that person that's like really perfect or anything. I am so ordinary. It's not even funny. But one of my favorite stories is JL, if, or Yael, however you want to pronounce it. I love the story about this lady. She was a homemaker. She was a tent keeper. She was a tent maker. And she, yeah, well, she wasn't a maker. She, she was lived just, in a tent. She just lived in a tent, but she wasn't making the tent. But she lived in a tent, and her husband had made peace with the enemy. And it was at the time of Deborah and Barak, you know, and so they're, they're beating the enemy, and they're killing everybody, and the enemy's being running away, and they got everybody, but they didn't get Sisera. And Sisera's name means snake. And Sisera got snuck away, just like a snake. And he thought, I'm going to go to J.L.'s tent because I have peace with her husband. He was She'll the general of the army that they were fighting, Sisera. Yeah. And I have peace with her husband. And so she goes, I mean, he goes, and he says, you know, give me, give me uh, security. And she said, yes, yes, come on in, come on in. And I love this because she used what she knew. 
She said, here, let me give you warm milk. So she gave him warm milk, covered him up with a blanket, very sweet, kind and everything, just what she knew to be like a mother. And so she did all that, and he goes to sleep. When he goes to sleep, she goes and gets a tent peg. Again, she lived in a tent. She had put up and moved her tent a million times. She had hit a tent peg so many times. She knew what to do with a tent peg. And so she grabs this tent peg. I hope y'all don't get grossed out of this, but it's in the Bible. And so he, she goes in. He's asleep. She puts the tent peg next to his temple and just whacks. And it goes through him and kills him. Deborah and Barak come up, and they're like, where's Sisera? Do you know? And she said, come and see what the Lord, not herself, what the Lord has done. By the way, J.L. means God and God. J.L. Two names for God. She knew her identity, right, in the Lord. And so they come in. They see that. Deborah and Barak write a song, and they say, in the times of J.L., all of history was marked by one act by one ordinary woman. Isn't that amazing? But that's who we can be. In the kingdom history of what God is doing, we can be in one act of obedience, one act, and everything changes. Isn't that beautiful? I'm going to tell you one more ordinary man's story, and then Callie's going to share one more story from the Bible, and we're going to be done early. This is a sign from heaven when Randy's done I may stretch it Randy's out. always done on time. I'm the one that kind of goes on. Did you notice he was like, time, time. <laughs> just, just tell the ziglag. Just go. We are convinced the secret of the kingdom of God is when people like you and us, ordinary people, rearrange their life to be with Jesus. Remember what, what they said when they, they recognized the boldness of these men. They weren't afraid anymore. And they were effective servants of the Lord. But they were, one was a teenager and the other was his early 20s. It says, and they're uneducated. They hadn't been to the local synagogue seminary. In fact, they're really ordinary. They realized one thing about them that was different. They had been with Jesus. Years ago, I heard this story of one of the most ordinary men in, uh, men in the world. There, there was a very famous preacher. He was traveling through Australia preaching crusades. He was preaching in Brisbane, and before he began to preach, a young boy gave his testimony. He said, uh, six months ago, I was on the corner of Queens Boulevard, and this very old man tapped me on the shoulder and said, son, can I ask you a question? He said, yes. He goes, heaven is real, and hell is real. Do you know where you'll spend eternity? And the old man just shuffled away, and I couldn't get the question out of my mind. I found a Christian in this church. They brought me to church. I was saved in this church, and, but it was the old man's question. And so the man went from Brisbane to another city, and he was preaching, and right before he started his sermon, he thought of the kid's testimony. And so he shared it, and as he was sharing the, that little story he had just heard, a young man in the back said, Oh my gosh, sir, that happened to me a year ago. I was on the corner of Queens Boulevard in Sydney and standing there waiting for the light to change, and old man tapped me, and he asked me the question. I couldn't get it out of my mind, and 
found a Christian, came to this church, and I'm saved. He went back to his home church in Bristol, England, told the story. Pastor Stormy, one of his top leaders walks up to him and says, Pastor, 12 years ago, I was standing on the corner of Sydney, Australia, and an old man asked me the question. I couldn't get it. And I came to this church, and you led me to Christ. Now I'm one of your top leaders. The man went from there to Jamaica, told the three stories. Twelve people in Jamaica stood up and said, Oh my gosh, 20 years ago I was in Sydney, Australia on Queens. 32 years ago I was on... And he ended up going to India and preaching to a conference of 20, excuse me, 2,000 missionaries from around the world. He told the story and 12 missionaries stood up. And the leader of the whole mission movement who had been in India serving Christ for 40 years took him to lunch and said, you'll never guess what. 45 years ago, I was standing on the corner of Queens Boulevard in Sydney, Australia, and a young man tapped me on the shoulder. Here's the moral of the story. He canceled the rest of his trip. He went to Sydney. He found the man, old Mr. Ginor. He had gone blind. And Mr., you know, he had the shakes, and he tried to make tea, and the, the preacher said, no, I'll make the tea, sir. And he sat there, told him all the stories. He said, sir, I have estimated you have brought 145,000 people into the kingdom of God. You know what Mr. Ginor said? He began to cry. He said, when I came to Jesus, I was so grateful. I knelt and I said, could you do anything with a man as ordinary as me? Here's the secret of the kingdom. The kingdom's not built by great people. It's built by ordinary people who believe that Jesus is powerful enough to take their ordinariness and do something great. I want to encourage you. Just get yourself in his hands. Sick lag, baby. I also want to encourage you. You've been partnering with us for 20 years. Some of you probably aren't even 20 years old. But you have been partnering with us for 20 years. And I just want to remind you of the story in 1 Samuel 30. And it's about David. And he had gone out and he, had, he and his men had conquered a lot of people. They had fought really hard. They had done well. And they got back and they found their camp had been pillaged. The women had been taken, the children had been taken, and all the spoils had been taken. The men were mad. They were mad at David. That's where David went and said he encouraged himself in the Lord. Remember that? He encouraged himself in the Lord. And so David's like, we're going to go after it. We're going to get everything back. So they start to go after it. But part of his men were like, we're exhausted. We just can't do this. We can't. We're going to stay by the supplies. And so David said, okay, you stay by the supplies. I'll take the other guys. We'll go. So they went in. They conquered. They took everything back. Got even spoils from the the bad guys brought the women and the children back, came back to camp. And so then David starts dividing all the spoils up equally with the men that had stayed by the supplies and the ones that went into battle. And some of the people that went into battle got really angry. They were like, what is going on? You know, they just stayed by the supplies. We went out and we got all bloody and all this stuff. And David said, you don't understand. It is now a precedent in all of the kingdom that those that stay by the supplies and those that go receive the same reward. So I want you to understand, for 20 years, you have been sending us. 
you have, you've sent my son and daughter-in-law in the Ukraine. What's going on there? You are getting the same reward as Josiah and Brandy. Do you understand? What you have sowed into, don't say, oh, that's nice. No, I'm not saying this to be nice. I'm telling you the truth. This is how God sees you. When you're partnering, Pastor Shelley was telling me, you've got some more missionaries now on the, on the roll, and that's awesome. Because when you're partnering with all these people, you are receiving the same reward. You are receiving the same thing. When you get to heaven, the same Jesus is going to come to you and say, well done. Way to go in the Ukraine. Good job. And you're going to go, I never went. Yes, you did. You sent. You sent someone, and they went. So I just want to encourage you, and I want to say thank you, because we can't do this. It, it's all of us together. It is all of us. But I want you to recognize how important you really are. You really are important, and you're changing the world. You're changing Lubbock just by being here. You carry Christ like nobody else. But at the same time, you're, you're going to the nations by sending others. Let me pray. Everybody stand, and I'll turn it back over to Pastor Shelley. Father, I thank you for this church. As we were standing here singing, I felt the power of faithfulness in this room. That Pastor Shelley and Pastor Stormy and many of you have been so faithful. And I feel like the Lord says, well done. But I heard in my spirit as we were praying before the service, there is a shift coming to this congregation. There is an accelerated grace. By the authority you've given me, I release it here. There's going to be an acceleration of grace in this place. And Father, I pray for everyone who's heard this little, these testimonies, these stories, the descriptions. But I pray for every single person in this room that you would take our ordinariness and that we would get it fully into your hands and that we would be amazed and go, I never knew you were this awesome, Lord. Let this be the family of God and the army of God across this region. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.